season. Season, it says. First wrote from the word from the Ghost Radar app. Officer. Second word from the Ghost Radar app. Officer. Yo, crew. Welcome aboard Ghost Boat Adventures. Captain Jordan speaking. We're in the territory of the Musqueam and Tawasin First Nations. There's a Ghost Raider app we've got running back here. So far it said season officer. That's an app for your cell phone. You know, it's a tablet back there running that. It's an Android app. Yeah, we're now only on Spotify for various reasons. Uh, censorship being the main one. They weren't counting any of the videos we were making because they said of the content and perhaps community guidelines. So I wasn't, uh, I did everything I could to jump through all their hoops and it wasn't appearing to work. And um, yeah, so I've been on a sinking ship before. <laughs> In fact, I'm famous for knowing when to jump off a sinking ship and definitely saw that YouTube channel as being total waste of time, total sinking ship. So the wind has blown us over to Spotify. So thank you to Spotify for all your support. People are starting to like us out there. This shall be the new location for most of the episodes. Hope you all approve. This is somewhat of a haunted uh, haunted front room here. You should see all the orbs and everything I see here. And that was Grandfather. kind of... Grandfather. Grandfather, it said. <laughs> that was one of the reasons why I decided to shoot the episodes down here. I have actually have a security camera and I can see an incredible amount of orbs on my camera system. There's a security camera up there and it catches orbs. And that's going to be the main topic of our of this episode, which will lead to future ones. So we're always going to start it out with a quick smudge. And we're going to pull the Gordon Reed bell back here. It's a Gordon Reed bell. Grandfather, it said. My grandfather's bell. I'm going to toll it three times. Three times. Gordon Reed Bell. Alright, we're ready to begin. The bell will also be tolled ten times for any of our fallen crew and relatives. They receive honorary 10 tollings of the bell. People can let us know. Ghostboatadventures at gmail.com. You can also send us a voice message through Spotify as well. This episode is Orbs and Their Abilities. So everyone hold on tight. We're about to have the ride and fright of our lives. Let's sail away to the paranormal. Now the one that I'm finding the most disturbing and keep sticking into my mind as far as orbs go is the pheasant that my my father uh, found on the dock in Bella Bella that had become tangled in his net which is so impossible and, and unlikely and improbable somehow I know the pheasant was an orb I'm getting this through Gogwa I'm pretty sure but the orbs have extraordinary powers and capabilities which is really you know like I, I have no idea really the more I think about it the more confused 
you know, yeah, I'm not just speculating on this. I, I know this for, you know, paranormal shows, they always, I, I consider it valid when I see an event happen in conjunction with an orb. That's what I'm always looking for when I watch ghost shows on TV. Like if I see an orb, then right away I think, well, that's pretty hard to fake. And, and somehow that orb is has got something to do with, you know, what just happened in, in the show. So I think orbs are, you know, some type of misunderstood technology, really. And we just haven't grasped it yet, or maybe not the, the general public hasn't grasped it yet. Um, yeah, and then the, there was an orb that me and my father saw in the ancient graveyard up in Bella Bella which I will close with. So stick around to the end of the episode. Please watch until the end. Please follow us on Spotify. We need followers to help keep Ghostbud afloat with your support. Share your thoughts and recollections via voicemail and email at ghostboatadventures at gmail.com. Thanks, crew. You're the best. Much appreciated. So the pheasant, was it wounded? I think it was actually wounded, but it was wounded because of the technology that went wrong or something. You know, the pheasant up in Bella Bella, like to give you an idea where it is, this is on the northwest coast of BC. It's a rainforest, it's freezing cold. Pheasants can't live there. There's, it's just not their habitat. They don't have anything to eat. Um, totally out of their habitat. And also when pheasants are around, like here in Richmond, when there's a pheasant around, you can hear it because they call to each other. Same, it said. Ghost radar. Yeah, they call each other so you can hear them. And I've never, ever heard a pheasant up there. And somehow it ends up in my dad's net, tangled up in it while it's hanging up on the dock, on the net rack. The pheasant ends up tangling his net. And not only that, my, my dad was possessed with helping this pheasant which is totally out of character for him. You know, my, my father kept us fed by hunting and fishing and trapping, yet he builds a cage for it instead of eating it. And pheasant, I've actually ate pheasant, I've hunted pheasant here in Richmond, and it is absolutely delicious. It's probably the best game bird I have ever ate. It's absolutely fabulous. So he he's possessed with building it a cage and then he puts the cage out in our back porch, which is up off the ground. In the middle of the night, something comes and breaks open the cage, somehow up on the porch. And yeah, the Bigfoot came to its rescue. Or was it going to eat it? I don't think that's likely that the pheasant, the, the Bigfoot was there to eat the pheasant. So yeah, I need your thoughts, crew. Was it rescuing the pheasant for a reason? Did the pheasant summon the Bigfoot? I think that's what actually happened. It's all connected to UFOs. Hello, is anybody listening out there? I'm not making any of this up, crew. Yeah, I need, you know, I need thoughts. I need uh, people to send me, uh, you know, send me their own thoughts on what could be going on, uh, going on here. Uh, you know, I'm, yeah, like I said, I'm not making any of this up. We need you to share Ghostboat Adventures with others so we can reach more and expand our crew. So please. Help us out by sharing these episodes and also sharing your own thoughts and recollections and what's going on here. So thank you very much. Let's carry on. So yeah, and on top of that, so the next morning, my, me and my sister Claire, my late sister, she's now passed away. May she rest in peace. She was also my favorite sister. 
So yeah, me and her go out in the morning. We're just little kids at the time. You know, I was maybe five years old, four or five years old. We go outside in the backyard in the morning. Well, we didn't really have a backyard. We had a back forest. And uh, yeah, there was wolves and everything that roamed around there. It was like uh, very, very remote and rural on, on an island too. Like how did this pheasant fly all the way out to this island? You know, pheasants can't fly very far. So anyways, yeah. After the pheasant gets broken out, next morning me and my sister go outside and in the below the porch, like we're standing underneath it, the porch is like probably as high as the ceiling to us kids and we're looking up at it and we look down on the ground and there's a great big footprint there, like a Bigfoot footprint, huge to us kids. In my mind, it was like about that big as a little kid. And beside the footprint on the ground was a $1 US bill which nobody had U.S. money up there. We're in the middle of nowhere in Canada, you know, on an island that's only accessible by boat. And somehow this U.S. $1 bill, which was brand new, was laying there beside it. Now, did they put that dollar bill there on purpose or did whoever was with the Bigfoot drop it? I want to know your thoughts, crew. Yeah, so very confusing. Um, then, then the uh, years later, me and the same sister Claire, we have this graveyard incident with Bigfoot, where I'm chopping down the tree and I saw Bigfoot hiding behind this tree, and it still sends shivers up and down my spine. I could still see it when it stuck its head out from behind the tree and looked at me, and as soon as it realized I saw it, it moved back right away, and all the hair moved on its face and. When the hair moved for some reason, that was the scariest part. I just had fear going up and down my spine like, you know, it was absolutely terrifying to see this Bigfoot. And then three or four days later, me and my cousin are hiking up above where the, the Bigfoot had walked through. And we see this clearing that's to on top of a rise. And this is all moss land that we're hiking through with small pine trees. And, you know, so it's quite clear. And we was, were strolling along, we could see this circle that was burned in the ground on top of a rise. And there were three indentations that were about that big in the ground inside the circle. There was obviously its legs. And, yeah, so I, I know in my mind that I was meant to see that. And it was connected to that Bigfoot that me and my sister had seen in the graveyard. So how is it all connected? You know, this is an ancient graveyard too. You know, we could do a, a separate episode, oh, a couple of episodes just on that graveyard up there. Like this is an ancient graveyard. It's right beside where our original village site was. And I had somebody tell me at one time we were standing on the beach there. They said at one time, because we were uh, headhunters in and that's usually how the chief dealt with them. Like if we were at war with somebody, he would say, he would send out the war canoes and he would say, bring me back all their heads. So the canoes would come gliding back in full of heads, the war canoes, loaded up with heads. And they said as they were paddled in at the last second, just when they had enough to glide the rest of the way ashore, they'd all stick their war paddles up and the, the war canoes would glide ashore full of heads up on that beach, right beside that graveyard. You know, so speaking of all the paranormal stuff that would bring about a paranormal event, 
You know, this is the kind of stuff that went on right in that vicinity. And then when they buried chiefs in the graveyard, they would uh, like, this is stone there too. So there, there really isn't a lot of dirt, right? It's mostly just stone and rock. The trees are growing. There's, you know, just enough dirt to support the tree, but not enough to dig a grave. So they would actually have to build graves out of stones and, and, and wood, you know, frames, and then they'd cover it up. And they would also perform rituals there to, and they would remove the heads of slaves and put them on each corner of the grave. This is the same graveyard, right? And it's just absolutely, um, there's also a woman there that uh, there's a carving. I actually have a picture of it. I'll see if I could find it. There's a carving of a, a woman who lived with the wolves and she's buried in there and there's a tombstone with her, her standing there with all the wolves on it, on her tombstone. So all kinds of, you know, bizarre stuff went on in this graveyard. So yeah, we could just do an amazing episode on it. So orbs and Bigfoot and their abilities. So when I was seining, uh, I've done a lot of jobs in my career. When I, you know, commercial fish and I worked on seiners. Um, one of the first jobs I had was with my first cousin. He gave me a job on a seiner when I was I think it was 16 and uh, I went fishing with him for quite a few years and and one of uh, seining with him quite a few years and on one of the trips we were seining in the vicinity of Clem 2 remember what island it was um, I think it was King something maybe it was King Island anyway we're I was the guy who would have to row ashore with the shoreman so we'd be on the beach and the, the uh, the drum man, who's this older guy named, uh, um, well, his nickname was Hobo. Yeah, his nickname was Hobo. So Hobo started telling me about, um, he said, yeah, you're going to shore there, and you know, there's Bigfoots on this island here, and they, they, they hunt people, they eat them. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's, you know, and I know he was just trying to scare me because he got a kick out of it because I was still to him the greenhorn, and the greenhorn's, you know, he always he always tortured me. One time, he actually came down the entry room, Hobo, and I was sleeping, and he actually had a canned air horn, and he held it right beside my bunk, and he set it off, and I sat up so fast I smacked my head on the bunk above me, and he thought it was hilarious, right? So this is just stuff, the kind of stuff Hobo would do to me as a greenhorn. And to my credit, when I was the person in charge, and I had greenhorns work for me, I never treated them that way. But anyways, I still loved Hobo. He taught me a lot of stuff. So Hobo uh, tells me, he says, yeah, uh, there was a guy here who was up, up there hunting for deer. And uh, apparently they were, the saner was anchored out and he decided to go deer hunting. So he went, rode ashore and went up deer hunting. And a bunch of the Sasquatches started to chase him. And while he was hunting, and he, he tried to shoot at them, but according to Hobo, the gun wouldn't work until he actually peed on it. I don't know why the pee, he said, made the gun start working again. He shot it off a few times, though, and it didn't deter them. And they kept chasing him, and he was running and running. And eventually, he made it down to the beach. And he, he, he knew they were right behind him, and he looked out, and he saw a bunch of driftwood floating along. They were floating by in the tide, and he dove into the water and he swam out to the log, a log out there and he had his arm over it and he was watching from behind the log 
and he watched the uh there were three sasquatches that came out and they were sniffing all over the beach he said they could use their noses and they were trying to find them and they couldn't find them and eventually they went back into the forest and that's how he was able to escape but uh yeah and, he, and according to what they said if those sasquatches had caught him they would have uh, eaten them that was their plan so <laughs> you know the hunter became the hunted um yeah pretty scary stuff how does this any of this make sense you know somehow the bigfoots have the power to make his gun not work um, but still how does it make sense bigfoot and cannibals with connections to ufos and orbs it just gets more confusing as i you know most of the stuff you know, and, and the island too, that this island may be the same island some of the pilots of this atomic bomber that crashed, they had to jettison one of the bombs into the ocean apparently too. And some of them bailed out and used their parachutes and this was the island, island, they were in this vicinity where they were rescued from. Is that a coincidence? I don't think so. But excuse me, uh, UFOs, two species, There there has to be like, well, the, the, excuse me, the Bigfoot in our areas, they're not known for eating people, pursuing them and eating them. And yet just maybe 50 miles away, separated by ocean and, and a couple of islands, is another species of Bigfoot that uh, likes to pursue and eat people and, and, and has extraordinary abilities, including the ability to make a gun stop working. You know, uh, well, orbs in a relation, you know, not... Uh, just to the paranormal, the ghosts are connected to orbs. You know, it's some form of technology that our ancestors used to contact and observe us, you know, as ghosts that we we do not yet understand. Perhaps that's, you know, what orbs are. Perhaps these beings have mastered the ability to not only transform into an orb, they can be anything. Perhaps the pheasant was an accident or an unwanted transformation. Perhaps the technology malfunctioned, wounding the pheasant, which required its protection and eventual rescue. You know, maybe it was flying along as an orb and somehow it got snagged up in the net. Maybe the net caused it to malfunction. Who knows, you know, the net could have been made of an unexpected material. Um, not sure what they were made of in those days. Um, some of them, some of them were, did contain plastics, monofilaments. Um, so you never know. Um, and there was also lead too. There's lead in the lead line. Maybe that somehow caused it to malfunction when it got near the lead. Because there's a lot of lead that sort of holds down the, the web, right? Is the lead line. Um, you know, maybe the, it caused it to malfunction and, and it wounded the pheasant in the process or wounded whatever that pheasant, whatever it became, right? Which required its protection and eventual rescue. My father stumbles upon it. It takes over his mind, gets him to build the cage. Crew's thoughts? What are you guys thinking out there? You know, is this, I, that's what I kind of, kind of feel in my mind. You know, it took over my dad's mind and made him build that cage because totally out of character for my dad. Um, yeah, pretty pretty scary stuff to do with orbs. Um, in closing, one more scary, very scary story, and this is re related to the graveyard again. 
or and the death of a cousin and you know very I, I truly cared a lot about this person and never wished him any harm in fact he, he looked so much like my son it still just really freaks me out of my mind so we're we're me and my father and you have to understand too me and my father spent years working together on the ocean my father to me was my rock you know i'd always look to him when i was scared and and he would get us through anything. You know, he had incredible courage and, and incredible skills to keep us alive out there. Just the fact that I'm even alive it, after the years spent fishing is testimonial to the stuff he taught me and I learned from him and my grandfather, Gordon. It's on that bell there. But yeah, to look at my father, so the look on his face, it's the reason why I'm saying that. So. We were, we were up in Bella Bella for herring season and we were like one of the last boats that did it and I did use my powers as guagua. I was always incredibly successful at catching herring. I, for some reason the ability didn't work on salmon as well, but it worked very well for me to catch herring. In fact, you know, I was one of the last guys standing being able to catch tons of herring. I didn't just catch them by the pound, I caught them by the ton. And we, so we're going to the fish plant in the boat. This is an aluminum boat. My dad knows the area very well. It's, you know, it's his, where he was born. And we're, we're heading along um, just past the graveyard in the boat to the water. It's very deep there. When you go up to the cliffs, you can literally just drive the boat right up the cliff and bang into it if you wanted to. You wouldn't hit, a ground, you wouldn't hit the ground first. It's that deep there. So we're just driving along and we're passing the graveyard and there's these rock cliffs. And it was really close to us too. You know, it was maybe 10, 15 feet to the beach as we're going along. My dad's holding the wheel. I was in the back doing something with some nets and I come up and I just came back inside the wheelhouse and I'm, I'm looking out the window and just in this, as we came along, this clearing opens up and in this clearing, kneeling on the ground is my cousin. And um, yeah, it did kind of, He's looking up, he's kneeling on the ground, he's looking up and there's his orb that's about this far above his head, his orb, and it's, he's looking up at it, it's shining this green light that almost looked like a laser beam into his eyes. And he's like just hypnotized by this orb. And I had that same thing when I knew something was going to happen to somebody, as soon as I saw that, I knew he was going to die, that this orb was going to take his life. And I was just so shocked at it. And I looked away from him and I looked at my dad who had just watched, seen the same thing. And the look on his face was, he knew the same thing as me. He knew he was going to die. And then the rest of the herring season was just a blur. And after we get, I get back home to Steveston here, where we are now, after herring season was over, and that was probably about three weeks after that, two or three weeks, I get back here to Steveston, and somebody calls me and tells me that um, this person had passed away. And I know it was because of that orb. And, yeah, there was really nothing we could do about it either. It somehow just stopped us. Like, what could we have said, even if we had tried to say something? Yeah, uh, you know, that leads to some, some frightening conclusions, doesn't it? 
Orbs can do definite harm. Yeah, it's pretty scary stuff, man. I appreciate all, all everybody's likes and supports out there. I'd love to hear what you think about uh, what I've just told you. I, lo I love also to know that people are sharing these episodes with others, and I'm really just trying to get a message out to everybody. I'm not here to make money on this. I spend a lot of time doing this because I enjoy it, and it's like I'm possessed with bringing this message to everyone. So I hope you share it with others. I'm telling you the truth. I'm not making any of this up. Appreciate your likes and support. Uh, I would love to hear from you. As I, uh, as I said, please uh, throw me a line at ghostboatadventures at gmail.com. And I would be happy to to share, you know, share uh, any stuff I get from people. I'll definitely be sharing it on here in future episodes. So please send me your thoughts and your, and your, your own recollections. Uh, yeah, you know, just thinking of more stuff. It's incredible. I could just go on for hours on this. Um, Got to stop there, though. Ghostboat Adventures. Lots of fuel in the tanks. I have much more UFO aliens and abductions and recollections to share in future episodes. Next episode shall be whatever the wind blows our way, crew. I'm leaning towards an episode on First Nations and misunderstood technology. So send us your accounts or theories, suggestions. You might be in the next episode of Ghost Boat Adventures. Captain Jordan, over and out.